Do you own or do you want to own an e-commerce business and want to make it more profitable whilst decreasing your risk? Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this podcast episode, I'm talking with Matt Rumuzzi from Capforge who helps people do financial due diligence on e-commerce businesses and helps those e-commerce businesses scale by understanding their books. Now, in this podcast episode, Matt and I talk about what it's actually like to be an e-commerce business owner, the risks that are involved with it, and the things that we need to be doing, the hats that we need to be wearing, and how to have the right mindset of an e-commerce business owner. Matt and I also talk about a nifty little trick on how you can decrease your Amazon fees that most people probably don't think about. We also talk about how to do financial due diligence on e-commerce businesses as a whole, so you don't wind up wind up buying a lemon. And we talk about you know asking critical questions to the seller on the cost of goods sold, what the seller has done, what the seller hasn't done to make the business more profitable, what worked and what didn't work, and most importantly, that why question. Why did this work? Why didn't that work? And how that is critical in the process of doing due diligence on an e-commerce business. Then Matt and I talk about ad backs. And the mysteriousness that can come with ad backs when buying in e-commerce businesses. Why some ad backs aren't actually an ad back and why they're not real expenses that you shouldn't take into consideration when you're going to value the actual business. Matt and I also talk about why you absolutely need a margin of safety with an e-commerce business and how to get one. And we talk about so much more in this podcast episode. Before we get stuck in this episode, I don't want you to rush off and buy an e-commerce business just after you listen to this podcast. Sure, it's good, but I want to ensure that you still don't buy a lemon by getting you to download my due diligence framework 2.0, which a lot of people have been raving about. It helps take the guesswork out of buying a business. It includes questions you need to ask a seller and everything that's involved with buying an online business. So to get that, go to buyingonlinebusiness.com forward slash free resources and you can download that due diligence framework there. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium age domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.global to check out their great deals. That's odys.global. Link will be in the description too. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Today we have Matt. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to digging into the books. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. So you have a, a strategic advantage of 
working with people who are looking at purchasing businesses in how you look at the numbers and doing due diligence with the numbers to make sure everything checks out, obviously, which is really important, especially for the deals that are, you know, 200, 300, 500K plus. But also, you've learned so much through that experience um, about forecasting if it's a good investment and so many other things. So, I want to dive into that shortly. But I, for now, I want to talk about the craziness of e-commerce that's happened in the last sort of year to two years and how it's just blown up and what you've seen and how you've been able to help clients deal with that just by understanding the books. So, what was your biggest role in throughout that period in helping people either understand what's going on with their books and gearing up for what was to come? So, I mean, the big thing that we're able to do is help people see where things are going. So when, you know, when COVID happened, some sellers had a big bump, right? Because whatever they were selling worked well with people who were stuck at home. Uh, and other people took a real hit because they couldn't stock inventory or their shipping and logistics all got kind of screwed up. So from where we were sitting, being able to keep track of what was happening in close to real time, we were able to help spot where the trouble was and things they could do to mitigate that. And it's not just, you know, the difference between what we do and sort of generic advice that you read online, oh, try this, try that, is we could see the real cost, the real impact, the real difference it was making to their bottom lines and react accordingly. Because generic advice is okay as far as it goes, but it may not apply to your situation or only partially apply so from where we were sitting, we were able to give good real-time advice depending on what each person's specific situation was. And some people in the last year and a half have done amazingly well. Some people took a big hit but have recovered nicely. And a few people, you know, that was enough to kind of push them over the edge and they didn't make it back. And then the other thing coinciding with all, all the COVID stuff was, you know, this huge rise in the aggregator business model where companies are raising capital and then buying up Amazon brands and putting them all together under one umbrella to then flip later. And so Amazon sellers on top of everything else were getting all these unsolicited inquiries from people interested in buying their businesses. And then that sort of drove the question, well, what is my business worth and how do I know that? And that also came back to the accounting. So we were doing a lot of projects around you know, helping people figure out not only how their business was performing financially, but what was it worth and how which costs counted against them and which didn't and how to figure out what all that looked like. Um, so we've been sort of eyeball deep in it for the last year and a half. It's been an exciting time for us. We've seen, you know, all kinds of different things happen and being able to help clients out with it. But um, yeah, there's definitely been an explosion of all kinds of Amazon and, and uh, e-commerce activity in the last 18 months. Yeah. Like let's decompartmentalize a lot of what you just said there. And I, I, I agree. Like there has been the multiples and the, so the prices of businesses. The, the market has been made way more demand for an e-commerce business because because of two things really. The big one is like you said, the the private equity firms are coming in and snapping up these businesses and going, let's do a big 
let's do a big roll up of a bunch of businesses and sell them on and, and do a, a flip of multiple businesses in one package, which is a smart idea, um, especially for, you know, it's even small PE private equity firms and large private equity firms are doing that, which has helped boost the multiples, but also other people that are on the outside. And this is kind of the FOMO effect that we see in other investments like crypto and like, oh my God, e-commerce businesses are taking off. There's a high demand for those. Maybe I could just buy one of these and if another, I'm just to hold it uh, and then hold it for a year, I might be able to sell it for more still because it'll be a higher multiple. So there's other people that have helped drive that up as well from what I've seen. Uh, and so you mentioned being the forecasting by knowing the books, like knowing when to order more product and, and when things are going to be, you know, being set up for being able to make it through those times. What are some of the metrics that you're looking at when you're looking at? I know it's going to be different to each person's books, but what are some of the, you know, metrics most, most businesses will be looking at to make sure they can ride the bumps in business if this is to happen again? Right. I mean, one of the, one of the nice things again, from where we're sitting with almost a thousand e-commerce clients is we kind of benchmark where people are at and because we've got such a large data set of, again, actual numbers, right? You can go online and different people are claiming different things, but we're seeing the actual numbers in their actual checking accounts, their actual Amazon deposit. So there's no kind of fooling us. <laughs> we're seeing the reality. So one of the things that we look at is, you know, the cost of goods sold as a percent of revenue and seeing where people are falling for that. If you're spending somewhere between, you know, 25 to 30 percent of your product cost versus the price that you're getting for it. So if you're selling a product for ten dollars or you're buying a product for $10, hopefully you're selling it for about 30 or 35, somewhere in there. Um, that seems to be kind of the sweet spot. Some people can do better, you know, especially like in the health and beauty category, supplements, things like that. You might see higher markups, you know, five to one even, um, or product costs of, you know, 15%. And then on the other side, you know, some people can get away with paying 40 or 45% of the price of the product. So, you know, buying it for $45, selling it for a hundred, but you have to have a higher retail price point and you have to still make sure shipping and everything works with that. When you fall outside those ranges, what you start to see happening is uh, either if you've got a low cost product like the supplements, you get a huge amount of competition. And so although your product cost is low, you generally are making it up in ad spend trying to beat the competition. Or if you've got an expensive product, um, you know, you may not have to spend as much on ads, but you may not be keeping much. And sometimes if you're not careful, you dip into being unprofitable. So, you know, just as one kind of thing, when we bring on a new client, we'll immediately look at sort of where does your product fall, your cost of goods sold relative to the revenue. And if you're in that sweet spot, you're probably in a good place. But if you're lower or higher, you know, we start to see where you can get into trouble or you have to offset that somewhere else. Same thing like with ad spend. The sweet spot seems to be about 10%. If you can get away with spending less than 10% of your revenue on ads, then either you've got a strong brand or maybe you're in a super niche category that doesn't need as much advertising. On the other hand, if you're going above 10%, the higher you go, every dollar you spend on ads is a dollar out of your pocket from profit. And you get to the point where, you know, again, you're spending so much driving sales that there's nothing left for you. So we look at benchmarks like those 
each month and see how things are going. If your cost of sales keeps going up because your products are getting more expensive or shipping, like right now, shipping is getting more and more expensive. You have to keep an eye on how that's affecting your bottom line and you don't want to go negative. Same thing, you know, a new competitor moves into your space, you're going to spend more on ads, but there's an upper limit. So this is really a data-driven business and you have to keep a close eye on your numbers to make sure that you continue to stay in that sweet spot of profitability. You want growth of your sales, but even more important, you want to be profitable. High sales and, and no profit is pointless, right? You're doing a lot of hard work, but you've got nothing to show for it. So we want to keep our clients abreast of exactly where they're landing each month and what the trends are and how to forecast forward. Hey, if the ad spend keeps going up like this, or if my product cost keeps going up like this, I'm going to get to the point where this business no longer makes sense. So we want to bring that to their attention for clients that, you know, or people that don't even have good books, they're, they're even harder off to know kind of where they're at and, and, you know, make good decisions. So having good bookkeeping is a good start. And then on top of that, really paying attention is key. Yeah, that's right. Is you can have good books, but you, if you don't understand those numbers, and you don't have somebody that can relay what that means to you, then you don't know how to make that decision. Uh, so I've got a client who is in the financial world and, and, and like reporting and all that sort of stuff, really knows numbers probably better than me, but has an, uh, an e-commerce business and wants a, has a goal to get to in terms of revenue. And I'm like, look, we can get to this. We can get to this right now, but the amount of money that you're spending in ads, you know, at the moment is you're not profitable. And if we times that right. by two, of course, we're going to be able to times your revenue by two, but it's also going to times your loss by two. So we need to do something <laughs> different. We need to change right. it because a lot of people, and it frustrates me when people see these, oh, I've made, you know, X amount in revenue per month uh, or X amount in my business is an X amount of revenue. I'm doing eight figures. Cool. You're doing eight figures, but you may be make you may be only taking away a million dollars a year. That may be a lot to a lot of people, but to be doing eight figures per year and taking less than a million dollars back in net profit, you know, you're doing a lot of hard work there <laughs> and it may not actually be worth it. You may need a better business right. model. And a lot of people are focusing on, I need to reach this big revenue mark, but miss the point of, or how profitable is your business and how much work are you actually doing and, and, and is it worth it? So what are some of the other metrics that you talk right. to people about in this conversation? So, I mean, we also look at, you know, just their Amazon fees, which a, a lot of people are sort of under the impression they have no say in their Amazon fees, which obviously, you know, you can't negotiate with Amazon but you can look carefully at your packaging, right? And see if you can repackage it or squeeze it down to fit into the next smallest shipping size. You can make sure that you're not overstocking the warehouse and incurring long-term storage fees. You can weigh the costs of doing your own fulfillment or using a third-party logistics setup versus you know having everything go through Amazon. There's different options, right? So you know, again, looking at those and making sure that you've made the best decision or that there's not a different way to optimize things, I think are all things that we want to bring to the attention of our clients and talk through them with. Sometimes people just feel like, I'm just sort of stuck. This is what it is, but not necessarily. There's a lot of different levers you can pull and dials you can kind of turn to see if you can make things work better. Sometimes buying more inventory 
um, you know, can drive your, your pricing down or you kind of hit a shipping tier where now your total landed cost per product is significantly less. So what I see is a lot of people come into e-commerce never having owned a business before of any kind. And so they're just not sort of thinking about this as a business owner. They're sort of, you know, following a model, whether it's from YouTube videos or they paid for a course or whatever, yeah. and they're just sort of going along, but they're not really thinking about it. Hey, this is my business. I have decisions to make. I have choices to make here. There are things I can do to make this work better. So we try to look at all the different places where people are spending money. Sometimes two people will outsource their ad spend or outsource, you know, their whole business to a management firm or, you know, something, and they don't realize how much margin they're giving up to have that handed off and, oh. you know, what the trade-off is. So <laughs> these it's are crazy. all things we it's bring crazy. to people's attention it's... and talk to them about. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like you said, you can't, I mean, a cookie cutter course, every, like, it seems like every man and his dog has a, uh, has a course on how to start an Amazon business. Um, and some of them, yes. like I say, cookie cutter are just refer, like regurgitated, uh, information for, they've learned it. Oh, I could create this course maybe a little bit better with my own spin and, and start being an influencer and selling this stupid course that doesn't get people results, which is unfortunate. <laughs> uh, and they don't teach right. people to put the business hat on or good business, have a good business mindset. So the same thing with my client is we fired his PPC guy. We just said this, I said, look, this dude, you know, he's costing X amount of money. He's probably not worth that amount and he's not getting the result that you want. Let's go away and find somebody that's good. Sent me an email yesterday. Oh, Jared, I've just hired this other firm that is confident we can get my ACOS from this percentage to this percentage and I'm looking forward to it and it's going to make me more profitable. <laughs> he's going to spend more money, but he's going to be more profitable. <laughs> uh, and it's just by – right. And it's hard when we're in business to be, you know, like wear all these hats. That's why it's good to have a sounding board like myself or yourself to be able to help people make these decisions. But it's it's tough. It's tough, isn't it, as a business owner, especially e-commerce. There's so many moving parts it, for e-commerce. Yes. Well, and this business more than most, you know, there, like you said, right, there's a lot of people kind of selling the idea of you run this thing 20 minutes a day from a laptop on the beach, right? And that's all it takes. <laughs> Order stuff from China, you put it on Amazon, you cash the checks, that's the whole business. Well, yeah. no, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot more to it. <laughs> you know, anybody following that model, they're getting their lunch eaten by other people and you're not going to be in business very long. This is a business just like any others. There's challenges, there's hurdles, there's things to think about, there's decisions to be made. You have to differentiate yourself. It's not just a laptop on the beach for 20 minutes a day. Um, you know, sorry, wish it was, but <laughs> it's not. Yeah. So you got to keep that not, in mind. Go into it with your eyes open and, and no. <laughs> no. Yeah. An e-commerce business no. model is, is, is more intensive than most people have the perception for. So most people come to me, Matt, and say, Jared, I want to buy an online business. I'm like, great. What type of online business do you want to buy? There's three different business models, the key ones that I teach. And they're like, e-commerce. I'm like, have you ever, do you own a business? Have you ever owned a business before? Do you know what paid marketing is? No, nah, but I want to own an e-commerce business. Okay. Well, that's going to make your life so much harder at the start. And you can get close. I, I can say you can get close to being at that point where you are 20 minutes a day, laptop on the beach. 
But that takes years and years and years of understanding how to create a good system and a process and hire the right people to run the business for you before you can get to that. Um, most people want that today or yesterday. <laughs> it's um, right. It's a non, non-reality. <laughs> or by Friday at the latest, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that said, help. you're helping people a lot with e-commerce business. And I think it's just fundamental. If you don't have somebody with a sounding board that can l- at least look at the numbers and help you interpret what those numbers means and help help to make a decision that's going to allow you to progress in your business with more profitability and less work, it's it's critical. It's a good investment. But you also help people with right. due diligence, right? So prior to owning yes. the e-commerce business, you help people doing due diligence for e-commerce businesses. So when someone's doing financial due diligence, what are some of the things that they should be looking at? Like what are some of the numbers that they should be looking at? But most people are saying, all right, I get a profit and loss statement here. I just need to make sure the profit and loss statement adds up with what I see in the bank account. But I'm sure there's more to it than that, right? Definitely. I mean, the, the bank account is going to verify that the deposits came in that, that they were claiming. But again, just like you know, if you're going to become the owner of this business, you want to see what margins are they operating at? What is the cost of goods sold as a percent of revenue? How much are they spending on ads? What are they spending on other things? How much are their Amazon fees as a percent of revenue? Are they on other platforms? Sometimes people will buy a business thinking, well, they're on Amazon, but I'm going to go, you know, they're on Amazon US, but I'm going to take it to Amazon UK and EU and I'm going to you know, join Walmart and I'm going to be on Shopify and I'm going to sell on Chewy because it's a pet product. And then you come to find out, well, the owner that you're buying from already tried all those platforms and none of it really worked, right? Mm-hmm. So your whole idea of expansion is now, you know, potentially out the window, or at least you want to find out, well, how hard did you try and how badly did it not work and things like that. So it's not just verifying today's financial information, but you really want to understand well the business. What are the top selling products? Maybe there's a hundred SKUs, but only three of them deliver 85% of the total profit, right? And the other, you know, 97 SKUs are either sort of break even or, you know, some of them might even be losing money. So there's a lot to consider. You want to ask the seller not only what has worked, but what have you tried that didn't work? Uh, what platforms have you experimented with? What kind of ads have you experimented with that may or may not have produced well? Have you tried the direct-to-consumer approach, you know, Shopify and Facebook ads and things like that? What next products would you be launching if you weren't selling it? Um, what products have you tried launching that didn't work that may not even be on this list here anymore um, and just kind of understand the business from a from a pretty in-depth as in-depth as you can get them to disclose to you level right you a lot of times I think buyers who are new to the e-commerce business new to business overall they just look at it as well how much can I how much of a you know, check, can I cash every month? That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at buying myself a recurring paycheck, but there's so much more to it. If all you're hoping is that it just continues as is, as status quo, you kind of already lost, right? Because business has to keep growing at least some all the time. If it's not growing, it's falling, 
right? There really is yeah. no such thing as status quo. So you want to understand how do I grow this, take it to the next level, continue its success. That needs to be part of your thought process from day one. And you need to make sure that you're the person to take it there. Sometimes a business can be really well set up, have performed well, be profitable and so on, but it's maybe not a fit for you. And sometimes that, you know, for example, I just had a deal recently where it involved a, a, an e-commerce business selling guitar parts. And the person buying it happened to be very involved in that world of building your own guitars and understanding fine-tuning mm. guitars and, you know, why you might want to change out different pieces to get a different sound and things like that. But a new owner that has zero interest in guitars and isn't going to know, you know, a fret from a, from a pickup or whatever – that's not the person probably to get involved in that niche kind of a business because they're not going to care about it. They're not going to understand what those buyers are going to be motivated by or how to build potentially a community around it or any of that stuff. So you want to think beyond just does this business financially perform well, but also am I the person that should be acquiring it and taking it to the next level? Am I a good fit for it? And I think a lot of buyers sort of overlook that. They get blinded by the dollar signs. Oh, it's so common. It's so common where people will see, all right, this this business is X amount of money and say it's, let's just say like be very, very rough, say a hundred grand business, it's making 30 grand a year and people go, oh, oh my God, like I can make $30,000 a year by doing two hours of work per week. And they start doing due diligence and what they try and do is they try and prove the business is a good investment because they want to buy it. They're like, I have to like work out if this is good, right? And what they do in their in their head is they look at it through a lens that is like, how can I make this business good, look good for me to buy? And this is happening unconsciously, right? It's happening unconsciously mm-hmm. and they go away and find this business that is in the guitar space and this person who has an Instagram account with – 100,000 followers and a Facebook account with say 50,000 likes and he shares every every twice a week on either how to play the guitar or how to change strings and whatnot and they go away and try to buy this business, they're going to lose all the brand, like they're buying a personal brand, like a big personal brand that's attached to it that they don't actually have, which means the performance of the business won't be the actual same. And changing a business from somebody who has a big personal brand attachment to it to somebody who runs a business and doesn't have a personal brand attachment to it is, is a tough thing. There's, you can, it can be done, but you've got to you've got to do it very strategically to not disrupt the audience that's already coming to the business and purchasing from the business and whatnot. And uh, you know that's why I tell people to prove the business is a bad investment first. And if you can't prove the business is a bad investment, then you must buy. Right? Would you agree with that, Matt? <laughs> right. I think that's a sensible approach. I, I think you're right. People are blinded by their desire to get into it and they tend to dismiss anything that's negative and play up anything that's positive because that sort of builds their case. Yep, this is a good investment. I can do well with this. And they they push aside all these red flags and warning signs that they're maybe not a good fit for it. Uh, so I think you you absolutely want to play devil's advocate and ask yourself, what's what can go wrong? How can this fail? How can I lose money? How can this business, you know, decline instead of grow? And 
if the answers to those things are reasonable and you can mitigate them, then it may very well be a good investment. But if the answers to those are pretty clear, all, all these bad things could happen and oh gosh, if that happened, I don't know what I'd do. Well, then you've got your answer, right? You're not ready to buy that business. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> so moving back to the financial due diligence, uh, when you're looking at doing financial due diligence, say for somebody before they purchase one of these e-commerce businesses. What are, if somebody that isn't a seasoned investor or hasn't done financial due diligence on an e-commerce business before, what are some of the traps that they could fall into or the pitfalls or some of the things that they could miss when looking at the due diligence, the financial due diligence? So there's a couple areas we consistently see problems. One is in figuring out the cost of goods sold. Right. Mm. And, and that is a key component. As we said, that a percent of your product, uh, your, the product is a percent of your revenue is a key piece, right? If you think that you're going to buy something for $10 and sell it for 30, and then after you get all said and done into it and find out actually it's going to cost you $15 instead of 10, that could be the difference between a profitable business and an unprofitable business. So you really need to check not just what did they used to pay for this product. But what would it cost to buy today? And how many of them do you have to buy? And will the vendor give you the same pricing as the other guy? And can you get it shipped here for anything close to what the last guy was paying for shipping? All those factors are super important. Just because the last guy was profitable, if your cost goes up by a dollar or two per unit and your shipping cost goes up by a dollar or two per unit, you could go very quickly from a good looking business to an, a not even profitable business. So that cost of goods sold investigation really needs to be done in depth. The other thing that we see a lot of is what are called addbacks, right? Which are expenses that in theory accrue to the pre prior owner, but wouldn't be part of what a new owner would necessarily have to pay. And there are some things for sure that are addbacks, things like meals and entertainment and auto expense and, and continuing education, things that the old, the previous owner, the seller chose to spend money on and could write them off for tax purposes, but they're not really expenses that the business owner the new business owner would have to spend, right? You don't have to go out to dinner. You don't have to buy classes on running a better business and whatever. But sometimes yeah. we see addbacks that really shouldn't be addbacks. And that's another thing that's going to move the, the profitability of the business and what the business value is based on. Sometimes sellers want to uh, say, well, that wasn't an expense I really needed, or I didn't, I, that product launch, I didn't really need to spend on, or, you know, that, that website improvement I didn't need to do, or this or that, or the other thing. And before you know it, it looks like, you know, they're keeping 80 cents of every dollar, but, you know, no, that's not right. So you really want to investigate what they're considering addbacks and make sure they're reasonable and accurate. And if they're not, that warrants an adjustment in how profitable the business is, which is in turn what, how much you want to pay for it or if you even want to buy it. So we see a lot of questions in the ad back space, if you will. Yeah, it was only a few years ago that we started to see in, from some of the larger brokers um, ad backs come into play and they started you know, having podcasts and talking about it. And I think there's a whole conversation around ad backs that is worth having for sure. And also there's probably another whole conversation around cost of goods because you're right. Like right. if if you don't understand the cost of goods, like 
wholeheartedly, then you don't know if the business can be profitable. For example, I one my second business I ever bought, it was um, dealing with cost of goods from a different country with a different currency. And then it was related back to Australian dollar. And then it, the business was being sold in US dollars. So it was there was so many things going on that I just couldn't really understand the books that well. So I had to make an average assessment and average judgment to be able to go, all right, cool. If this is what that average is, the business is profitable. And there wasn't a very solid line in the sand of, of what that was. Uh, so my dad is very is my devil on the shoulder and my dad said jared don't buy the business don't buy the business you, you don't know the books that well i had an average and i was eager and i was very hungry it ended up working out well for me well extremely well for me but like i had an average there and the line was a bit gray uh but we could work out that well i could work out if that was the case and the line was still gray above that it would work but there's so many things that people first timers don't even know to look at like like you said in the cogs but also the question of asking like you mentioned before is like have you tried this so maybe the seller has tried decreasing the cost of goods by changing 3pls changing um you know some other services or buying from a different person but it didn't it didn't really work or it did work and they've already decreased the cost of goods where the new owner may believe or the possible purchaser may believe I can easily decrease the cost of goods here because they haven't tried to decrease the cost of goods. Isn't that an interesting conversation, Matt? Absolutely. I mean, you want to know all those things. And for all you know, the vendor may have said, look, I'll give you this special pricing for this last order. But after that, you know, it's going back to its regular price or its regular price plus 25%. So you look at it and say, well, let's see the last thousand units they bought, they bought for $1.50. So, and then you do all your forecastings based on $1.50 and then you go to place your next order and you find out they want $2.75 for it. And you go, everything was based around $1.50. I thought that was the price. Yeah, sorry. That's what the last guy got, but that was a special and we're not doing that anymore. Oh, well, if I'd known that, you know, I wouldn't have bought it. Well, you want to find that out before you bought it. So it's just, Mm -hmm. that is one area where you really need to understand what's going on and do your homework, do your investigation and, and buy with what I always call a margin of safety, right? You don't want to be in a situation where this business purchase will work if these six things all happen exactly like I hope. But if any one of them yeah. doesn't, it's not going to work, right? Because nothing ever happens like that. It Stuff always costs mm-hmm. more. It takes longer. It works less well than you're hoping. So if you're buying it and all these magical things have to line up for it to even work, it, I can tell you right now, I don't even know what you're buying. I don't know what your business is or how much you're paying. I'm just going to tell you it's not going to work. <laughs> so <laughs> buy with some margin in there so that if this doesn't work and that doesn't work, it's still, you're still okay. You've still got room in there and some profitability. But, you know, don't buy something that, that is really on the, on the line, right? Because it's going to fall below the line at some point. And if you don't have the money to fix it, you're going to be in a, find yourself in a tough spot. And things spiral down much faster than they spiral up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely easier to tear down a, uh, a building than to build one. <laughs> 
So, yes. <laughs> yeah, worst, working out the worst case scenario is critical. You know, if this happens, then what? Those types of questions should be asked in your due diligence. Now, Matt, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. It's been an awesome to talk about, you know, finances, <laughs> e-commerce businesses, what to do, what to make sure we understand, be conscious of. If somebody is looking to buy an e-commerce business, they're like, oh, Matt, I, you know, I'd love some help uh, getting some due diligence work or checking over the business uh, and the financials. Where can we send them? Sure. So the best place to find us is just on the website, capforge.com. Uh, you can fill out the contact form or give us a call. I'm happy to chat with anybody. There's no cost on the consultation. If you're thinking about buying something, you know, let me know. I'm happy to kind of tell you what our process is, how we look at it, check it out for you. If that makes sense, great. Or if you've already bought one and you want some help with the bookkeeping so you kind of know where things are at, happy to talk about that too. I encourage people to reach out. It's better, like you said, right, to work with somebody who can be a sounding board than to try and do it all by yourself and then only come to find out later you could have saved money or avoided mistakes if only you'd you know asked about it or, or got some advice. So I'd, I'm happy to be that person to help you out and, and give you some advice. Awesome. Guys, there'll be links to that in the show notes. And and thank you so much for everybody listening. Thanks for coming on, Matt. And uh, before you guys go, I want you to think of two to three people who uh, either own an e-commerce business or are looking to buy an e-commerce business. This podcast episode has so many golden nuggets in it that if you share this with them, I'm certain they're going to get some value. So please share this podcast episode with them. Of course, it's going to help grow the show, but it's also going to help them grow their businesses. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. 